Welcome back to the Everybody Soccer Podcast. We've got Stan Anderson of Camp Shoutout and FC United fame. I've had the pleasure of working with Stan over the years, including this summer at Camp Shoutout, the largest goalkeeping camp in the world. So let's just say he knows a few things about goalkeeping. Uh, but after we catch up a little bit and kind of recapping the summer and, and our experiences at Camp Shoutout, uh, Stan and I opened about Reggie Cannon and the response certain fans made uh, as they saw players kneel during the national anthem, which included booing and throwing things on the field. Cannon would later come out in a press conference uh, to say how disgusted he was. And while this isn't directly tied to goalkeeping, the fracturedness of the issue surrounding the players kneeling during the national anthem is something that I found, uh, at least in my opinion, is just so common in life in America. It's You see it all the time of how hard lines are drawn that separate from one another in any, any arena. And for those that may have noticed, I've been fairly quiet about putting out uh, anything from me on my uh, on my accounts in response to the protests, the riots, the police shootings, and even just this weekend uh, after we had recorded this in Stan's home state of Wisconsin, there was another one with Jacob Blake being shot multiple times uh, by an officer in the back. Uh, this whole time I've been trying to walk a line for myself uh, as far as not just tweeting out Black Lives Matter and that being it for myself as if I had checked a box and was done. So I know my online presence has been pretty quiet, but I've been reading a lot and trying to make sure I approach this from a sincere place as well as well as one that wasn't the equivalent of me just passing by and shouting, I agree, and moving on. So it's obviously a difficult top topic to navigate, and while Stan and I don't agree on every issue because we're two different people, uh, I picked Stan because I knew he was willing to be upfront about what he thinks, but not in a way that would shut down the conversation. So I can't say we solve everything here, but it was a good conversation about trying to keep people at the table instead of having fractures push people away. Uh, I loosely try try to tie it into goalkeeping at the end, but knowing that this is a goalkeeping podcast, uh, there will be timestamps at the bottom that you can look at uh, if you want to go to the goalkeeping content, which includes uh, Stan and I talking about backup goalkeepers in MLS and, in, and the NWSL uh, and why they aren't given the keys to the car more often. Why aren't they given more chances? Uh, which one should? Uh, we we name, it, name a few there. Uh, but then we talk about how coaches should and shouldn't approach their goalkeeping cores and tie that into Neuer and Ter Stegen, which Ter Stegen lost 8-2 to with Barcelona against Bayern Munich not too long ago um, after pushing for the national team number one spot. Um, but we, we talk about how what, what are the differences between the two, the, the ups and downs of Neuer's game as well, um, but also going forward of how, how would the German national team coaches look at the, or how should they look at the number ones. Uh, and approach that situation. So finally, we end with Stan Anderson giving us a John Bush story to cap it all off. It's a little bit of a meandering conversation, but that's kind of how it goes here. So appreciate it once again for Stan Anderson joining, uh, having a serious talk on their front end, but um, also willing to dive into more goalkeeping stuff with me at the back end. Anyway. <laughs> no, that's very nice. I have uh, Duke Kaboom up there. Oh, what? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, Duke Kaboom, yeah, he's hanging out, he's hanging out, Duke yeah, Kaboom. absolutely, yeah, <laughs> the people may have to do some Googling after that, t-shirt, yeah, yeah, no, it's good, it's good, um, well, I wanted to hit on a, a few topics today, and just, um, it, it's kind of a little bit all over the place, but they're all recent, um, and one, I guess this opening one, um, is this a, the, the Bill Reno Power Hour? Is that oh we oh we we've been on it for a little bit. We've been on it for a little bit. I mean, I guess we're in it right now, but we're in we're in the. I mean, that's we're gonna come up with a name for this. It's the 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 Bill Reno GK Show. It's the Stan uh, Anderson Hour, and then I'm just here. With Reno? You. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we we can we can crowdsource it. Um, 
but yeah, so I, I, a little bit, a little bit of ways from, um, my hometown Dallas, um, last week with Reggie Cannon coming out publicly. Um, and I realized this isn't goalkeeping centric, but just seeing, I think Brad Stewart has been like the one that I've seen the most from, but there's been a lot of goalkeepers speaking up, um, with players taking a kneel during the national anthem. And I guess I'm, it's, 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 removed but I think the the core of it is related to goalkeeping in a lot of ways of um obviously there's a lot of dissension there and you know as as Cannon and other FC Dallas players are kneeling fans of the team are booing them which is a little ironic I think they had said some something about fans throwing stuff on the field which I didn't see but um you know we we have all this dissension there and I I feel like something you've done really well with with camp is uh you do a really good job bringing people to the table um even if there's different backstories, lifestyles. Um, and so I, I guess that's, I, I, the, the politics aside, my concern is how do we keep people at the table and, and not push people away? Because it's something that keeps coming up over and over. And I, I think with goalkeeping, it's still very fractured in a lot of ways, our country of there's still a lot of people doing their own thing with egos. Um, but I'm considering, I'm interested in hearing what you think of how do you keep people at the table when there's just massive disagreements on either side? Yeah, boy, are there ever. Um, <laughs> what a topic. Uh, you know, a, a couple things, and I'll probably jump around a little bit on, on my opinion of it, but everybody, everybody feels, it's, it seems like the, at this point in my life, different than any other time in my life, everybody feels like they have to be right. Mm. And you know, it leads to the cancel culture. Um, that if you aren't with one side, then you're against them. Yeah. Uh, you can't, you know, be in the middle. Um, you're you're either you know with or or against us. And there's been high high level goalkeepers that that have said, you know, if if you are if you're saying you know nothing in in you know moments like this um, that are that are you know, high profile in our country right now and in the world that, you know, if you say nothing, then um, that, that's violence in and of itself. And, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate in this regard. I'm, I'm not fortunate in any white privilege bullshit or anything like that. I'm, I'm fortunate that my mom and dad raised me to respect everybody. And, and, I, and I'm saying this correctly from the gender down to the CEO, and I said that correctly, that that's, you know, you respect everybody. And, you know, it's no secret that uh, the movement is choosing to, whether it be Colin Kaepernick or present day, to go uh, have their movement around the national anthem. It's a, that's a pivotal time in a in a game it's a high profile event in a game it's an emotional time during a game it, it doesn't make it m much sense to protest by staying in the locker room five minutes longer you know yeah. a tv is just going to go to a five minutes of commercials sure something. yeah <laughs> it doesn't doesn't you know doesn't get much much legs by um coming out of halftime early and kneeling or you know something Yet there are people that, and, and I respect their choice to kneel. I respect 
their choice like they did at the, at the MLS's back event, uh, having their moments before the game. Um, at the end of the day, I think what should happen is this. Look, if you want to kneel, kneel. But don't take it out on me or anyone else if they want to stand. Yeah. Everybody's going to look at the flag the way they look at the flag. It's not right or wrong. I look at the flag as an emotional, emotional um, uh, symbol that, for me, represents what people prior to me have fought for. Whether that's right or that's wrong, that's how I feel. And other people feel similar. And other people can't stand the flag. And they want to kneel and for the Black Lives Matter movement or whatever it may be. And that's okay for them. Nobody's wrong and nobody's right. It's how you feel. But I think we're in a, we're in a time where it just, you know, look, the, whoever it was in Dallas, and I don't know if it was one person or whatever, I didn't uh, see the, the, the video or anything else, that if somebody's throwing something on the field, that's obviously wrong. But what everybody's fighting for in these movements is to basically, you know, yes, Black Lives Matter, a little different in the sense that fighting for what their statement is, Black Lives Matter, but people are, are, are fighting for their freedom of speech and freedom of expression. And yet for some, it seems to, to not matter. And for some, it seems to matter. Yeah. You know, if somebody in the stands chose to boo you know that's that's uh, it's disappointing but if that's what they're choosing to do isn't that what everybody is is wanting is the the freedom to express themselves in this country the way that you can't in many 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 other countries and that's that should be okay it doesn't make it right again but that's what they're choosing to do and you're choosing to kneel no problem no problem and, and players may choose to join you. No problem. Um, and coaches may choose to join. And referees may choose to join you. And on and on and on. And that's great. Someone else may look at the flag differently. Look, when my dad passed away, my, my mom was presented a unbelievably well-folded into a triangle American flag that was on top of his casket. Mm. And I have a picture of it. It's probably one of the best pictures that I've ever taken. And that I've ever seen. There's my mom sitting down receiving the American flag from the military representing my dad. That's how I look at the American flag. So if I'm at a game and the the anthem is playing and I go through the same routine every single game for 24, 25 years, I'm not going to all of a sudden kneel because somebody is socially telling me to kneel. That does not mean that I have any sort of disrespect towards anybody. That, I think, is where things are going a little askew, is, yeah. that, is that it's okay. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm, I'm talking too much, but <laughs> no, no. at the end of the day, everybody, is, everybody should be able to do as they feel. I, I think there was a lot of emotion around Colin Kaepernick. And you know, I've read a little bit about that, um, enough about that, that he was actually advised by a, a, a young man from the military to 
instead of sit down to actually take a knee. Hmm. Fantastic. Yeah. You know, probably in the moment when it first happened years ago, I was, I was probably one of those that was angry because it's a, a, it's an emotional time during a game and how I look at the flag, but I understand it now and I understand why he's doing it, et cetera. But that doesn't mean that everybody has to do it. But everybody is, is, is protesting and fighting and emotions are so high, you know, largely because f- people feel like they, they either aren't heard or they're, they're, they're not valued or what have you. I think that's what all the emotion is about is that people are trying to put out there how they feel. And I think that's okay. It's the point when we get to, well, you're not, so you're wrong and you're canceled. Yeah. That's disappointing to me. Yeah. Well, I, I think you're hitting a lot of good points there. Of, you know, it, it is a little interesting how you can look at the flag and see something very, not only specific, but, you know, weighted and emotional for yourself. Um, but how someone else can also just see it completely different. But I, I think where we get kind of tied up in a lot of things is if whenever anything isn't the same as us, we, you know, just, I feel like, feel like that's just human one-on-one of, oh, it's not me, then it, there's a good chance it's wrong, you know? And so um, I, it's a tough line because, you, you know, you mentioned how letting people respond in the way they want to. But I think the things I get concerned about is, I, you know, I, I'm fine with that in theory, but whenever things are... Um, kind of fighting against each other. That, that's the thing that gets kind of frustrated. So I, I'll, I'll use like kind of a small sale, small scale example. It's, this is a much, it's maybe I'm trying to connect too many dots here, but it's the same for me whenever someone says there's no use for a top hand save. Well, you know, I, I've said like, say such an extreme blanket statement when, you know, it just seems so silly when, why can't we just say like, oh, hey, top hand save for this person is going to work out. And then here in these situations, this goalkeeper, maybe not as much, but it's, it's this very um, combative kind of mindset of like, hey, this is how it is. Um, and that's the sort of stuff that makes me kind of, I guess, uneasy and a little kind of disappointed, like you're saying, when people are coming at, obviously a much bigger issue, but when people are coming at it in a combative mindset of, hey, I'm, I'm going to try to defeat you in this conversation. I'm going to try to make sure you know you're wrong and you know, you're on the wrong side of this. Um, and I don't really have a good solution as far as how to keep those people at the table. Like I'm saying, cause I, you've, you've got such strong emotions there, uh, side, which is understandable, but, um, I don't know how to we make have two ears in one mouth, Bill. And, um, <laughs> those two ears should listen to people much more than we should speak. And, uh, you know, look, I, I, I absolutely believe that whatever Reggie Cannon is feeling is legit. And whoever is feeling whatever they're feeling is legit. And it doesn't, it doesn't make others wrong unless, of course, they're way off the way off base. Sure. You know? They were malicious. Absolutely. Yeah. They don't deserve to be heard. But I think we have common sense, and that's what it's called. But we have two ears and one mouth, and we should listen to people more than we either try to ram something down their throat or be so adamant to say, and look, there's high, high level people in this country coaching at the highest of levels that believe there's only, there's no need for a top hand save. <laughs> and when you tell that to somebody, then all of a sudden 
their game is being formed into a, well, I don't want to do that because that's going to piss him off. Yeah, yeah. And that might be what you feel is going to keep the ball out of the back of the net. I guess I'll concede. I'll let the goal go in. You know, just it just leads to so many, so many other 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 ways and uh, to feel. And I don't know. It's a it's a hot topic. Yeah, yeah. No, certainly. And I think the I love talking to older goalkeeper coaches. I not old ones, just older than me. Um, but um, <laughs> I, uh, I I I'll, I'll, yeah yeah. <laughs> um, all of them seem to have hit this the spot. Or I say, all, the vast majority of them have, have seemed to hit the spot of this kind of exploratory process with goalkeeping. Um, it seems like the older you get, there's almost less right answers. You know, it's, it's just kind of like more ambiguous as it goes on, which I kind of love because it's it's very nuanced, it's very unique, um, as opposed to you know, I certainly would still am guilty of this of trying to see things too much in one way of like, oh, I know for sure this is the answer. Well you know, maybe in some situations, yeah, but, you know, I can't, I can't expect Neuer to play the same as Ter Stegen and vice versa. You know, they're two different goalkeepers on two different teams. Um, you know, trying to do this blanket statement, it's, it ends up just like you're saying, it ends up causing more problems on the back end, but still something right. we do a lot. Well, it's our, it's our words that make a difference. I'm not doing anything different than some other coaches around the country that are coaching here, there, or wherever, college or pro or, you know, a club, youth, you know, you're not doing much different. You're keeping the ball out of the back of the net. You're teaching somebody how to catch and parry. You're teaching somebody how to distribute distribute the ball properly. You know, at the end of the day, you get through about, you know, seven, eight weeks, and you've probably covered that. And going to be with that player for a few years, and you're going to do a lot of those things repeatedly. And yeah. at the end of the day, it's how you present that topic and how you make the athlete feel. And they feel like they're developing and growing and then maybe getting it done at greater speeds and bra more bravery increases and the mental game comes together and they start developing leadership skills that they didn't three years ago. And you're helping foster an environment in which to, to lead. So your voice matters. And if I were to tie that back to camp in, in, you know, in working with a myriad of goalkeepers and coaches, if whoever runs a camp, in this case, camp shutout, I don't, I just don't feel comfortable telling people how to coach. Mm. It just makes, has never made it sense to me. It makes zero sense to me because it makes people feel uncomfortable when they want to coach a certain way. Yeah. You know, I, I just don't, I don't, I don't get it. I, I, I don't I think I'll ever get it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I, I was talking with a goalkeeper coach maybe a month ago and he said, um, so he was he like grew up in I think he played in the A League but he grew up in like the 90s and um, oh what is his name I'm, I'm blanking on he's gonna if he hears this he's gonna kill me but he was John Bush's roommate with the um, whatever A League team oh I can't believe I'm forgetting this guy's name uh, Sean, Sean Loth was his name okay um, okay so he was roommate with John Bush <laughs> he told me some funny stories there but he said um, okay so like when we were working together he he was doing a lot of kind of like di just different stuff from me. And I was doing a lot of different stuff from him. And it just, you could tell like we had grown up in different generations with goalkeeping and yeah. he, he, you know, we get a break at some point and he says something like, you know, coaching goalkeepers is kind of like Taco Bell. It's the same shit, just repackaged seven different ways. And I was like, you know, there's, there's something to that of like, I, in my head, I want to think, Oh, I'm doing it right. And he's doing it wrong. Cause my way's, but my way's different. So it's better. 
but you know, he's making her good points. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know, you're, you're right. This it's, you could, it's, it's kind of all the same stuff at the end. I mean, not all, not the extremes, but for the most part. Yeah. Uh, you know, Kitchy, Kitchy coached with me and he's with, with me around me for, I don't know, 12 years or something, but we coached together at the club and even there in, in a club with the goalkeepers that were, you know, under our tutelage, I wanted Kitchy to teach however Kitchy wanted to teach. And if there were things that were different than what I thought or believed or what have you, sometimes we would argue and even argue pretty heavily about it. But at the end of the day, he's got to feel better about what he's teaching and not feel like a robot. Yeah, um, we're a little off topic in the in the <laughs> sense, but you know that's a that's a, 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 a an an em, fellow employee situation where your fellow coach, where you're coaching coaching, and yeah, you know, it doesn't have to be everybody's agree agree agree. We disagreed and got along well, and now he's out for Phoenix Rising and doing well. Yeah, yeah, good on him. You know. Yeah. Uh, we didn't this. We didn't agree, but I guess bringing it back to your topic is that, it you know, we don't all have to to ag- agree. I I just I don't I don't get it in in the sense of you know look some people some people are 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 absolutely in support of of uh, Black Lives Matter or all you know we we all do matter, but they're not happy about how it's presented around the national anthem. Okay, you know, let let them do what they want to do, no problem. Let me do what I want to do, no problem. I might be wrong or considered wrong in a few years. You may, look what happened to Colin Kaepernick; he was considered wrong, wrong, wrong. Now he's being brought into the NFL to serve as a consultant. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, that's how things change and how quick they change. And you know, you just got to go with how you feel and how you were raised, and hopefully, it was right. Yeah, I I think one thing I really try to be mindful of is not to if I'm in dis- disagreement with someone is to not bury them to the point that years down the road, whether it's me or them, they kind of see the light, you know, quote, see the light. Um, and they end up kind of changing one of us changing, but we've burned that bridge. Is kind of my mindset yeah. with it. It's like, okay, we've hit a wall here. We're not going to agree on it, but can I still interact with them in a way that we've got a relationship here to go forward? Or am I so ardent about this that no, like they need to know, and, you know, again, there's some extreme situations there, but yeah, I, that, that's, I, I hate kind of seeing that bridge burningness, I guess, of it all. Cause it, it, everything is so fluid, you know, you get to a point later in life that everything can turn on its head. So, exactly. um, yeah, well, I, we'll, we'll talk some more specific goalkeeping here at this next point here, but, uh, no, I think I, that is a tough conversation. I, it's something that's been weighing on me a bit. So I appreciate you kind of yeah. ha- handling that, but. Um, one thing I, I've seen kind of interesting moving back to uh, MLS here is um, I feel like we have a number of really um, I'm trying to think of the right word. I, I want to say adequate, but that seems to undermine a little bit, but really adequate goalkeepers that are sitting on the bench. It's um, bullshit. <laughs> and you know, it's, are they national teamers? No, of course not. I, I, I think it is only, you can only have so many national teamers. So I get that. But I, you know, you look at FC Dallas. They just brought in a Brazilian goalkeeper who's not a bad goalkeeper. Um, you know, a fine goalkeeper in his own right. I'm blanking on his name. Um, but they've had Jimmy Marison on the bench for years now, who was also sitting behind Jesse Gonzalez. Um, they have Kyle Zobeck, who's a good friend of Tom Serratori. Um, 
I, yeah, yeah, Valpo, very good. Uh, and I saw Zellbeck play uh, in the USL one final last year, and I was just so impressed with how, I mean, very atypical American goalkeeper. He's playing a high line. He's incredibly fast. He's such a, a field general. Loved how he's playing. You just don't see that very often. Um, you know, you had Tyler Miller with LAFC. Um, and, you know, they even they, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, but with LAFC, you know, he ends up kind of struggling of yes. maintaining, not only getting paid, but also maintaining that starting spot. He's in Minnesota now. Um, but I, I feel like we have a lot of these kind of backup goalkeepers that Matt Lampson, Chicago. Matt Lampson, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff Chicago. Yeah, McLean, Jeff Attenella, you know, Steve Card kind of hit a little bit there when he was in DC. You have all these really talented goalkeepers. And even one thing, I was going to skip this, one thing in the NWSL tournament, you have all these backup goalkeepers coming in. They do just as good as a starter. So, I, I, you know, we have all these backup goalkeepers. And I, I do get a little frustrated that they're not getting the keys to the car, so to speak. Um, and I don't really know what the solution is for that. Um, I, I feel like some of it is the – we get log jammed. So we've got, we've got talent there, which is great. But it feels like the the talent stays here when, for me, in reality, a lot of them should be springboarding earlier. Yeah. It seems like the goal for a lot of them is, oh, MLS, from like an organization point. They said, oh, we want to keep this guy in MLS. When, for me, it's, hey, go sell your player, get some money, and then you've got, you know, you've got your number two who's worthwhile. So that's kind of my big brain aspect of it all. But I, I'm curious on your thoughts of what do we do with all these backup goalkeepers who are really talented, really decent, but can't seem to get a shot. Yeah, and you can even go into the Emmings and the Lopez's and Slaninas and, that have been signed, you know, at, at 15, 16 years old to, you know, you would think prospectively sell or, you know, maybe in four, five, six, seven years become the number one if they choose to invest in them and put them into situations where they're going to play and, you know, these sorts of, of moments. You know, Chicago now has forward Madison, but is Brady going to ever get a game there? Yeah. Um, I don't know. You know, Marcella or Martella or Maretta or somebody is playing there. Um, but, you know, it, 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 like I'm not going to mince words. It pisses me off when we have domestic goalkeepers that I think are quite good. And look, the, I, people can say it doesn't matter what I think. And, and fair enough. But it probably matters more than some other people that have an opinion, okay? Because I have been around it, you know, uh, for a, a good, healthy portion of my life, sure. um, and seen some pretty darn good goalkeepers <laughs> that, have, that have gone through. And um, they're just American goal, American goalkeepers and American players in Major League Soccer are not they're not taken care of. Uh, certainly financially, contractually, like players from overseas are. And we just simply rest on the fact that other leagues are better, and so we're going to bring in that player, and they're automatically going to be better. And I could go on and on with the Chris Mueller's and the Camlin Lees and uh, the Tommy Barlow's and, and then Markowski's and Bersano and Ketterer's, you know, uh, on and on, amongst many, many others, Eric Dick and Barkai, and, uh, you know, those are people that I, I know, you know, much more close, but um, many, many others. And uh, it's disappointing when I see Jimmy Marr, Jimmy Maurer do what he does when he gets his chance. Yeah, yeah. And then how does he feel in the locker room when whoever this is is probably on a much better contract brought in and is never put on 
the red and blue for, for them, has never stepped in Frisco, has never played a minute in the league. Um, and now, you know, seemingly on the outside, it seems that Jim would be resorted to the number two again. Yeah. I mean, look at what Amelia did and, and where Amelia is now. And it, when, you, when you advocate and believe in somebody, magic can happen, man. Magic can absolutely happen when you feel, when you make somebody feel like a million bucks and, 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 you know, stay with them. And, uh, you know, Tyler Miller, they got, they got their money's worth out of Tyler in LA and it doesn't seem to be going really well for LA right now. (laughs) And I don't know if Tyler's the only reason, you know, but they certainly didn't get out of Orlando as champions. Um, Vega in in uh, San Jose. I mean that 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 that's a clown show in, in goal, um, and not just because of Marcinkowski or Bersano and, and others, but because of the type of goals that are given up. And I've seen him occasionally play well, also. But it, 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 there are enough American domestic goalkeepers. Look at obviously Steve Clark is is one of them, and and I think the guy's in great great form, and he celebrates his play yeah, like yeah. nobody. Else. I've seen and I that aspect well. Shout out to Eric Pogue and and obviously Steve Clark himself. Um, the energy he brings and seems to feed into the team and um, you know that's a, a situation where he's he's fought and fought and fought and I hope he gets rewarded um, with a contract that will do him extremely well. Matt Lampson, what he did in Chicago was great. Yeah. Okay, now they also had some tough times in Chicago, so. I'm not going to sit here and say it was all great for, for Lampson there, but he holds the consecutive shutout minutes record. Um, he had a f- fantastic season when they finished second in the table. Uh, I think it was Pono's second year. They, they believed in him, and, and he did well. Um, he's still in the league. He's obviously doing great from, from a footballing perspective, also from the humanitarian perspective. Yeah, but it it really bothers me when when I see teams doing this with, especially in the goalkeeper position, you know, because not only are minutes being taken, you're then just going to make excuses about the the domestic goalkeeper. Well, yeah, he's doing well, but it's USL League One. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's doing well, but yeah, it's in the championship. Yeah, see, we makes one. He, they bring him up, they start him in a game, they win three one. The goal he gives up was debatable which direction they're going to debate in the direction that he shouldn't have given it up. Yeah. yeah. The long leash is going to be given to the bigger contract. And I don't know that that all that bigger contract is always uh, earned or, or deserved. And, and there's executives that say, you know, look, until you go to Europe or whatever, you're not going to put a, a real value on yourself. Bradley doesn't get five or 6 million until he goes overseas and comes back. Yeah. Maybe that's correct. I, I don't know, but I don't think it has to be the case. We have talent here, and we have talent in goal. It, it's about time that, that people in Major League Soccer just simply understand that and run with it because there's proof in the pudding. It, it's happening in Sporting Kansas City. It's happening in Portland. It's happening in other places as well. Tyler Miller, when he's healthy, is performing at an extremely high level, and I could go on. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it, I don't know how to change it other than, you know, maybe – the domestic goalkeeper coaches need to have a bigger voice. Maybe um, the uh, the head coaches need to think a little bit outside their comfort zone of, of where they're familiar getting players from. 
and realize that you can get a top flight goalkeeper here. Um, And they've gone from here to over there. I am another side point. I'm sorry. I'm a little off. No, you're good. But Tim Howard, I watched some highlights of him with Manchester United and uh, Everton as well. Rarely did I see Tim Howard make a save in those days and get up and bark at his back line the way that he did when he came back here and started yeah. playing with Colorado. I thought that was quite interesting. <laughs> and he's a fantastic product that came you know, from the States and went overseas and did a great job, like Friedel and like Keller and, uh, and, and others as well that are over there now, you know, still playing and doing extremely well. Um, but, you know, it, it's, uh, it's, a, it's an interesting topic. that you, I don't think you have to do that to, to be valued. Um, but it just seems that, that, that that's the case, you know? I don't no, know. I, so I have a, I have a underlying theory behind this, but I, I agree with what you're saying. Cause I, I think one of the big problems that they end up running into is night. I don't know for sure, but th- this does seem to be the case outside looking in, but when you have a clear number one and a number two, who's not an older veteran, um, which you can get in those situations where you get a number two who knows their role. And, you know, that's great, but that's honestly a pretty rare situation. But if you can get that, then great. But you get a clear number one. Well, number two, realizing that thinks, well, what do I need to push for? You know, like I don't have a shot. So now no one's pushing the number one. And not that that situation is definitely going to go badly, but it's certainly you're kind of fighting uphill in some sense. Um, You know, I I really don't like big, long consecutive minute streaks, especially when it spans multiple seasons, because you're basically saying, hey, all those bench guys, like they, they're not going to play, um, which is frustrating. So, um, But I, I wonder how much Zach McMath's time in Philly scared people away um, because I'm trying to think of the last young goalkeeper, like un- under 22, that's done well in the league. And I feel like when Philly threw McMath in the fire and said, hey, you're going to get all the minutes because like you're going to get us, you know, the, I think Howard had just been sold it, not – maybe three or four years before that. Like 2010, 2011 in that window. Yeah. I mean, a little, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, they're, they're kind of, I, I feel like the, the goal there was, Hey, let's get some money from McMath. And then the whole thing goes terribly. You know, he's not ready. They throw him in the fire too fast. And not only yeah. does that sink his value from like a selling point, but also he ends up being a backup for the next four or five years. Cause he, you know, he's kind of damaged goods at that some, at that point, just publicly looking at him. So what team wants to pick him up? So I feel like these teams aren't incentivized to play these younger goalkeepers. So they get these, these goalkeepers to sit and they get them to sit and then their value starts dropping. Um, you think back to Ryan Mira with Red Bulls. He comes in 2012 when Robles got hurt, does great, but then he ends up sitting for the next seven years or so. Well, what do you, what do you think he's going to do? You know? Um, so I, I feel like, they don't quite know what to do with these young goalkeepers. And so things get log jammed because someone's got some talent and they're, they're excited about it, but they just keep them on the bench and they, they train them, but you know, they don't give them a leash. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, how long of a leash? I think, I think Vega's leash is about (laughs) 9,706 blocks long. I mean, there are things where I just go, holy cow you know and and you know the 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 look of effort that he provides after he concedes you know he goes down and it's a full stretch and then he stays on the ground in the full stretch like you know look everybody i full stretched yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's not the league for that um 
you know, I'm coaching kids that are working on that. And, you know, you shouldn't be doing that at the major league soccer level. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, those, and I could go on and with others. But, you know, fortunately, there's kids like Turner. Um, yeah. And there's obviously uh, young men like uh, Steve Clark and, and, uh, and others. And, again, like I said, Melia. Sean Johnson is having a, a, a renaissance to his career right now. Um, in the sense that, you know, Chicago was ready to move on and Sean's kicking ass in, uh, in New York yeah. and, and good for him. I'm, I'm happy for him. Um, but, uh, it's just, uh, it's, it, it's interesting to me that, you know, look, you can, you can have a run with Andrew Putna in, in, um, in Real Salt Lake. You did last year when, when Robles was hurt and, you give him the same type of leash that maybe McMath or, or others, and that's an example. You can do extremely well. Todd Holford has a good stable of goalkeepers there, um, you know, and, and that can happen. Houston, I don't know who's in goal in Houston. Great staff, great goalkeeper staff. Uh, I don't know who's in, in goal with them. Um, but, you know, I, I imagine that's only going to even get better, you know, now having Tab there, that it's going to get an even better situation than it perhaps was before. But – I haven't seen, and, and I could go into a, a few names and go on and on about some foreign goalkeepers that have come over here and have been absolutely crap. Um, <laughs> they've, they've been horrendous in goal. And uh, there was one guy in Minnesota. It was three, four years ago at this point. Oh, uh, Al, John uh, Al, Alvidge? Well, Alvidge. I think yeah, he conceded like yeah. 11 in his first two games. Yeah. And, and some of those were just <laughs> horrific. Yeah. Um, but, you know, somebody's making a decision going, yeah. John Albridge should be signed. Yeah. And then they're going, yep, John Albridge should play. And then they're going, yep, he conceded five, but we should put John Albridge in again. Yeah. You know, and that's the problem is there are other players in there. You know, Charlie Lyon is, is uh, on a, a pool deal. And, you know, at, at some point, given Charlie a run, I bet you it, things pay off because somebody did it with, with Tyler Miller. And guess what? It paid off. Yeah. And, you know, the, the leash has just got to be a little bit or, or equally as long. I shouldn't say longer. It needs to be just as equally as long, both for, a, for an outfield player and for a goalkeeper. But, yeah. Well, and I, I think you see the situations where, you know, look back at Portland t- uh, Timbers – or, th- sorry, Portland Thorns with the, you know, the NWSL around there. They end up uh, – France is a national team where she gets injured before the cup starts. They go with Bella Bixby who plays really well, and then she gets injured, uh, tears her ACL, I think. And then they put in uh, Britt Eckerstrom, who yep. does fantastic. And I, the thing that really stood out to me, I mean, there's a lot of things that stood out to me, but one of the things that really stood out to me is that the goalkeeping core seems to almost always um, lift each other up when the other one does well, but when yep. they're all given chances. So, like, when the starter gets hurt and the backup has a good game, the starter doesn't get mad. They, they almost always say, Hey, like, that's awesome. So good. I, I think when you have that environment that everyone knows, Hey, you know, maybe someone is better and it, you know, it, it's hard to overlook that. You typically you kind of know who's better, but sure. when, when all you have an equal chance and all of you are empowered and all of you have a good shot and have a, is equally long leash as you're saying, man, I, I just feel like you have a really special core there as opposed to, Oh, this goalkeeper is going to start every game, no matter what. I mean, you, you end up, you end up kind of, diluting your product at that point because you, you, know, you die in the vine bill yeah yeah i mean you just you you just simply the rose shrivels up and it could be a fantastic rose 
but it just shrivels up. Or maybe it's a white rose and not a red rose, yeah. but it's a beautiful rose. But when you, when you just pour so much into the number one, that white rose is going to shrivel up. And if heaven forbid, there's a yellow rose and a pink rose, they're just going to say, screw it. You know, if they're feeling even lower, if you do have three or four on a roster, I mean, there's no massive, huge glaring difference between Jeff Atanella and Steve Clark. There isn't, but Steve Clark has been winning. Steve Clark has been enjoying. Steve Clark has been motivating. Steve Clark has been making differences in games. And so Steve Clark has the run. And I imagine between those two, he's got a bit of a longer leash. Sure. Fair enough. He's, he's, he's earned that. When I look at it with guys like Vega in San Jose, he hasn't earned that. And so then why? And that's, it's the same for a domestic player or, or foreign goalkeeper. But I just don't understand why there's such a, 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 an interest in going in yeah. that direction when – there, there are very, very good players here that can solve the same problems, perhaps even better. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, I don't know. That's uh, – yeah. Well, that's, and that's, my question now would be, I almost – I wonder if it's cyclical because, like you're talking about kind of the, the vine analogy, I think there's a good chance that when someone gets such a long leash that they've proven they've got some holes in the ship, so to speak. Abject failure. Yeah, yeah. Um, that I wonder if it's like the coaching staff says, well, the number two and three aren't ready, but really it's because they haven't prepared them to be ready. So it's kind of like it gets cyclical of like, well, they're not ready, but also we, it's because we haven't like really put into it. I don't know on St. Jose's coaching staff, so I don't, I'm not saying that for sure, but I feel like that does happen a fair amount of, you know, someone gets injured or someone's playing poorly. Well, the number two doesn't get a chance because they weren't prepped to take over, right. um, which is, course another problem of the whole whole thing so well sure I mean, there's mls teams without championship sides or two sides or one sides to to send players to get games and get minutes and you know then when you get into sending somebody down to a championship or a two or a one whatever um you look at it and you go well those owners of those teams why do we want to play him maybe a 16 year old when i've got a 26 year old yeah. that has how many ever games and has proven and has done well in college and has done well as a pro. And now you're giving me a 16 year old to play for the next seven games. How do I keep the 26 year old happy? And, you know, those things are, are difficult when there's, you know, is there a need to win in that community? You know, um, Chicago is a, is a, for instance, you know, how are you going to get Brady and Slanina minutes? And is it in an, in an academy situation? Are they going to play academy games? Are they going to go? Brady went to forward Madison. Is he going to get games there? Yeah. You know, those are challenges that are certainly inherent in a club. And I, I get it. But, you know, you chose to own a club. These yeah. are some of the things you got to solve. Yeah. You know, are you going to put them on loan? Uh, where are you going to put them on loan? Um, is he going to get games there? Right. So many different things. But yeah. Well, I mean, you talk about getting games. I, I feel like. And obviously that's great, but I feel like sometimes it almost, like you've said this earlier, it, it, is, it doesn't matter for a lot of people that, oh, Bersano or Marston Kelsey got games. Well, is that a lower level? doesn't count. It's like, well, what was the point? You know, <laughs> so, um, you know, let not only get them games, which obviously is crucial, but also be able to snowball that momentum 
And if, I mean, if they're not good enough, then ship them out. I mean, get rid of them, get some other goalkeepers if that's the case. Right. Um, it is odd that teams will just sit on a, a backup for so long with no real thought. I don't know. We go on and on. But um, look at Ketterer. Look at Ketterer, yeah. who's, you know, yeah, I, yeah. certainly I go, I go to people that I, that I know and I, <laughs> I know well. Sure. Logan was in Columbus. And Logan goes to El Paso where they wanted him. Yeah. And he's kicking ass in El Paso. Yeah. All right. You know, the, the, I think the uninformed are going to look at it and go, yeah, but it's the championship. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's a unbelievably huge difference between the championship and major league soccer. Yeah. 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 yeah that ball moves 15, 15 miles per hour faster on that dead ball. Yeah. That, that corner kick is whipped in unbelievably sharper and harder in, yeah. in MLS than it is in the, in the championship. You know, yeah, there's some difference makers without a doubt that are playing at the MLS level, but yeah. at Major League Soccer's level. But, um, you know, he's doing extremely well. He's getting games and he's playing. You know, is Columbus ever going to choose to go back in that direction? Well, they, they have lamps and they have room. So, you know, and I think somebody else, I don't know who, but, you know, they may not have to, but someone else. Or are you going to go overseas again when you could go and knock on El Paso's door? Yeah, and ask for Logan Ketterer, you know, or whoever else. Um, it just doesn't doesn't make a uh, doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah, no, no, that's that's a that's a fair point. I would be curious to see if how I mean Logan's at a really interesting spot, and we'll see what he goes forward. I, I think he's got some really good momentum if anyone's paying attention there. So, yeah. Um, but what, we'll we'll finish up with this last point here because this is something you brought up previously, and I, I think. Uh, obviously, it caught a lot of buzz, but um, the Barcelona Bayern Munich game, specifically the the goalkeepers in, in goal there. So, um, I guess I'll let you open up. But just for everyone knows, um, Bayern Munich won eight to two, but both goalkeepers were uh, essentially vying for the national team German, the German national team starting spot. This is kind of what's on, not on the line, but certainly seems to have impacted it one way or another. But um, Ter Stegen, a very talented goalkeeper, ends up giving up eight goals in the match, but um, what did you take away from that match, Stan? Oh, boy. A lot, man. Um, a lot. It, it makes me ticked off at myself for kind of going away from Neuer's, from my belief in Neuer over mm-hmm. the last two, three years. You know, two, three years ago, I felt, you know, Manuel Neuer, damn, legit, yeah. top shelf, setting the bar. And then I go away. Now, does one game make a difference? Well, guess what? It does. And, and here's why. Because it's not been just conjecture by me or anyone, you know. Um, and I, when I say that when I'm, I say I'm speaking for myself. Those two played against each other head-to-head, right? You know, what, what else are you going to – you're going to look at training? Sure. Is training a match of Bayern against Barcelona? No. Um, it, it, controlled setting, etc. There were things to look at in that game where you just go, "Damn, dude!" Ter Stegen wise, yeah. really, you're you're doing that. You're cho- you're choosing that. You have the ball at your boot. And you're choosing to play it there. You know, there were they're they're an unbelievable team. Bayern Munich's an unbelievable team, and and legit done. Period. Possibly one of the best we've ever seen you know I, I don't know but they're just if, when you when you just tear apart 
Barcelona. Um, you know, they, they made the, I believe it was the semifinals. Was that a semifinal or a quarterfinal game? Quarterfinal, I think that was. It have been a quarterfinal, or last quarterfinal game maybe. Um, and, they, you know, they're a final eight team in Champions League, Barcelona. So it's, it's not like this was, you know, group play or something or, or, or the first game uh, of, of Champions League going in. I, they, they just dismantled them. Yeah. But Ter Stegen's, I'm all for playing out of the back if you can play out of the back. When you can't play out of the back, you shouldn't play out of the back. And if the trend of the game itself is also going south, you might want to pop the ball over a few people, drop it into some zones, and see how you do. Because if you do watch Neuer a few times, yeah, he'd play out of the back for sure. But he'd also spray a ball occasionally, and sometimes it was perspective, and they still ended up possession in the attacking half off of a perspective ball. So I don't see a major problem with that. But I do see a major problem when Ter Stegen is trying to force the ball around, playing out of the back continually and getting in trouble and in trouble and trouble. So that's not, you know, uh, he's, he's a step slower or it, it's a mental choice of what he's, what he's choosing to do that's affecting his team. You know, if you suffer the game for five minutes and then you choose to play out of the back again right away versus taking a little bit of the air out of the game, you know, these, again, are our, our choices. Now, Neuer's in a better team, so he's going to look better, and he did. But I, I, thought it was, um, I thought it was it was the old rooster crows and the young rooster wasn't <laughs> learning, you know, uh, you know for, for me. Now, I'm more of a Neuer fan than, than a Ter Stegen fan, and I don't mean to just bash the, bash the guy, but in that particular game, it was just silly. It was yeah. – and, and, and again, I, I just think that, that, um, that Manuel made, made choices that were much, that are going to prove to be much better for a team than Ter Stegen's choices. And to me, that was the bigger deal. Yeah. I, I'll defend Ter Stegen a little bit, but I will say, I think if there, I mean, if there's a game tomorrow, I'm starting Neuer. But, you know, I think he was a, Leon, yeah, Leon, he had a wonderful, um, kind of a slotted ball across the 18. He ends up getting himself over, but also staying on his feet, not just immediately throwing good ground. I think he's playing really well. And I do think after the 2018 World Cup, which Jeremy bottomed out, um, he was coming off some in- injury. I want to say it was knee-related, but I forget what it was. But he looked really stiff, and he didn't look great, which is understandable. They, I mean, they kind of rushed him back to get him for the World Cup. And I think that next year or so, he didn't look great. I mean, his mobility had dropped, which that's his whole game. Um, and I think a lot of people have kind of forgotten about him, myself included, thinking, okay, well, he's kind of over the hill, the injury, he's not going to come back from that. But obviously, he, I mean, he looks as sharp as ever now. Um, so I'll, I'll say that was a massive plus for Neuer. But I feel like for Ter Stegen, I'm going to wager the last time he got eight goals scored on him was he was 12. You know, it, it's probably been a while. And um, when your team – is imploding. I mean, visibly imploding, which is a little odd because you go back to that game. There's some big chances early on that Barcelona can get a three Oh lead very, very easily. Against the run of play. The game changed yeah. against the run of play at, at 10, 15 minutes in. Yeah. 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 For, for sure. And so I, I feel like when you are in a very unique situation where not only is your team imploding, but you probably should have been winning, but you've thrown that down the drain. And then also on top of all that, Ter Sagan knows like, 
what the headlines are going to be. You know, he knows what's on. He, I mean, he's someone who's been mildly open about wanting the national team spot and he's been respectful about it, which I appreciate, but you know, he, kn- he knows what's, what's happening. Um, I think you get put into a spot that certainly rare in his life, but I think rare for any goalkeeper to be in that situation. So I don't think you're wrong about the kind of the mental side. Cause I mean, even his body language looks like shit, you know, I, after he gives up, there was one goal, the third goal where it comes in from a sharp angle and it clips his defender's toe and yep. just, just enough and where his he, foot and then roofed. Yeah, 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 yeah. That one. And you can just see his by language because he, he's so frustrated that like, he knows how close he was to saving that his teammate has, has messed that up for him. Um, and again, everything else that's on the line here, you can see how disappointed and frustrated he is. Um, so in some sense I feel for the guy cause it's like, man, what a unique situation that this guy is that no one can be prepped for. I mean, how, how in the world, but like you're saying, I mean, he, some of that decision-making, I think it's kind of snowballing from the frustration, disappointment from the game, but at the end of the day, finding what it, I hate this saying, but I think there's something to it, but like of doing the same thing over and over is like the definition of an insanity or whatever, or expecting the same result. I think there's something there about, well, if it's not working, you know, like I appreciate you trying to stick with your style, but you know, if it's not working and it's conceding and it's bleeding goals, like maybe shifting something to find some success. Right. Doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, you, if I, I'm a big guy, if I keep eating big Macs after big Macs <laughs> after big Macs, I'm going to get even bigger. I'm not going to, you know, it's the definition of insanity. I'm not going to get smaller. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I got to do something different if I want to get smaller. Uh, pretty simple but um you know i i just didn't um i'm a big believer in that you've got to play the games and that is how you gauge somebody short of having any games then you go off of training sure you know you you, you that that's how you uh evaluate people it's how you evaluate players and it's how you evaluate teams you know um, I, don't, I don't sit here and go well the, the the lakers are gonna beat the bucks or the bucks are gonna beat the lakers <laughs> you know in the nba they whoever plays and plays the games and wins you know that's why you then go through the games to have a champion yeah well yeah the bucks wouldn't beat the bulls you know what they're not gonna play each other <laughs> things like that so when you look at this neuer played against Terstegen. Yeah. And Neuer kicked his ass. And, and Ter Stegen did some things in the game that were not just a team being overrun and finishing inside the six in 2v1 situations, sure. back post where you had no, op- no opportunity to make a save. There weren't eight goals like that. Were all eight goals his fault? No. Is Ter Stegen a bad goalkeeper? No. But they went head-to-head. Neuer won the battle. Boom. If Ter Stegen had... You give the nod to Ter Stegen. Yeah. You know, I, what, what, what else do you everything, – everything else is all bullshit and conjecture <laughs> in the sense of, of, you know, just trying to make yourself feel good. Um, Neuer kicked his ass. Yeah. And, and you know, just and made it seem easy in how he played the game. Um, and obviously, you know, so you speak to his being informed, you're going to be in the – 
in the Champions League final. Uh, you know, I, what, what, else do you, what else do you have to, to do? Do you have to get a golden glove every game and take a picture and put it on Instagram <laughs> and say, you know, I'm the best? And, and then do it and wins the Champions League and do another one and take it. Yeah, but Ter Stegen's still – why? Uh, things like that. They just, they just puzzle the yeah. shit out of me. I don't understand it. Well, and I think one of the big points of all this is how fluid goalkeeping can get. I mean, like I was saying, just two years ago, a year ago, like I, I mean, I, my, in my mind, Neuer is kind of the way out. Just watching him play, and he comes back, and not only does he – I mean, obviously the scoreline is, is is in his favor, but he plays really well. He, he looks yeah. like, like his old self, which is great. Um, so that fluidity and talking about those, you know, endless backup goalkeepers, having that eye for, okay, are we just going to stick with this one goalkeeper or have, have things changed at all? So I, I feel like that's a big part of it. Um, but I guess my big question for the, I guess more specifically, specifically for the German national team, how do you position – Ter Stegen now because I Neuer's number one sure, but what you don't want, like we've talked about it before, you don't want Ter Stegen becoming either a cancer, which I don't think he would do. He seems professional enough, but you don't want him also his his level dropping off. He's had a terrible game, sure. How do we find Ter Stegen in a way to or give him a path to go forward and empower him again? Um, you know that that's my concern because I I feel like with the national team there, there's a lot of divisiveness between the two camps of this, this, or that. I mean, was it Bayern Munich a year ago or said, if Neuer doesn't start, we'll stop sending our play. You know, just stuff like that. It's like, well, you, you've, in, you've made things so divisive, needlessly so. Can we not find a way to empower everyone on board still, while still knowing, hey, this is the top goalkeeper? Yeah, it's a bullshit statement from, from Bayern to even. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, the, the reality is, is you've got to have a smart, a smart person who, who – talks to the goalkeepers in the room and not separately, you know, separately as well when things need to be said, but talk to them collectively in the room and, and let them know guys right now, Manuel is our guy that that's today. Yeah. Right. There is not much of a difference between any, any of you men here, any three of you, four of you, whatever's in their pool, whatever they're going to go into a camp with, wherever they're going to go to Qatar and spend their time at Aspire, whatever, wherever they're going to go. Yeah, you know he's our guy today, but look, I have, I have zero hesitancy playing anybody here, anybody, any one of you, okay, at any time, whether that be at a halftime change, whether that be from game to game. Um, there's no hesitation here whatsoever, and I feel that way about all of you. If you just if you go into there and you invest everything into Neuer, and all of a sudden an injury happens, and then you go, yeah, but you know what? You're staying in Europe. You're fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A player looks at you, and they don't even need to say it, and they're just looking right at you and going, you're full of shit, man. <laughs> you know, if you make that player feel justifiably, not hollow, justifiably good in quality, and they're contributing, when that happens, they're going to give you a million bucks. They're going to they're play like a million bucks. They're gonna, yeah. You're going to get a return from that player. And that is what, you know, Germany or any team in any sport is going to, going to have to do, but especially in goalkeeping. Cause you just, you see right through somebody if they, if they don't, you know, yeah. you go into, you go into training and you can choose to be this guy and give Neuer the number one team all the time and you can give Neuer the number, the, the first reps to every extra exercise every time and you can smile and laugh around Neuer and not the others all the time. And you can choose to be that coach if you if you want to, 
But the others are just going to look at you and say, dude, you suck, man. You don't know how to manage men. Yeah. You, know, you, you handle animals, you manage people. You don't know how to manage men. Yeah. And, and manage players. If you want to talk about uh, at any level of NWSL or, or the World Cup on the women's side, men's side, international level, you, you've, got to, you've got to look at that group of goalkeepers and make them all feel like they can contribute. Nothing, nothing different than at a college level. You know, it, at the college level, any one of them has got to feel like they can go in and play. It's yeah. just a higher level is all it is. But there are some that are going to they're going to tie their 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 coattails to a goalkeeper and feel like that player or that coach is going to take them somewhere. When reality is is it always comes down to the team. Yeah. And, and 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 there's also a crew within the team. And that's the goalkeeper. But it always comes down to the team. And you know, in, in this case, Germany, I think today is going to be better off with Manuel Neuer. In a year from now, qualifications are going on. He falls out of form a bit. Ter Stegen hops in form. Be ready to make the change and mentally make sure Ter Stegen's ready to perform for you. Yeah. Well, and it seems like the higher you get as a coach, the the training aspect. I mean, like the the stuff that top clubs are doing training wise aren't that different from lower level ones. But what's more important there is going to be the the like you're talking about the managing side. So let's say they flip Ter Stegen in the future. You know, a year from now. Ter Stegen's a starter, but again, like Neuer isn't trash. You know, you, you need to make sure that he's he's able to come back in. So, um, well, victim to that, yeah. You know, but when I went into Chicago, John Bush made me feel like a million bucks. I filled in for a while, and John Bush made me feel like a million bucks. Yeah, you know, like when I walked on the on the training ground, I felt like I had a relationship with John Bush. Hmm. I felt like I had a relationship with Alec Khan, or, or a developing relationship with Alec Khan. There was at least a, there was a, uh, there was a, a, a trust and a, and a, a quality um, budding relationship. I didn't work with him a long, long time. And that, you know, those things make differences. That was years and years ago, yeah. you know, that, that was the case. But you know, five, six years ago, whatever it was. And um, those things make a, a difference versus yeah. making somebody feel like crap. Yeah. And Whoever's going to be in charge in Germany, better make sure both of them are in great form and, and feel real good about it um, because otherwise don't expect great results when someone goes down and you all of a sudden knock on their door. And yeah, 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 yeah. They're just going to go, okay, yeah, I'm ready, coach. Yeah, <laughs> not going to work. You got a, you got a John Bush story to, to cap this off with? You, you, can you can you? Boy, he's got a great, nice blue truck in his garage that, that <laughs> he uh, gave him a few years ago that nobody really sees that much. Uh, really, really old blue, Chicago blue-style pickup truck. But what's he, what's he doing with it? He's just letting it sit? What's he doing? Yeah, for the most part, it seems oh, like there, so he drives John. his Jeep around everywhere. But uh, yeah. when I first met John Bush, it was in, I want to say it was 2010, it was in Guadalajara, and um, he was with the fire. And uh, it, ultimately, a couple weeks later, they, they let him go. He was at Notre Dame for the second phase of, of training camp, mm. and they let him go. Our academy was in, um, in Guadalajara with the first team, and uh, Universidad de la Guadalajara. And so um, it, was, it was great. Philly was there as well, and I think that was the early Zach McMath days. Chris Seitz was there with Philly as well. And right, right, yeah. But um, I think Noak was, was, was managing that team. And some great stories out of that from the coaching staff each night. Yeah. We'd go onto this balcony and have, have coffee <laughs> and what have you. And, 
holy cow, there were stories that were shared there. <laughs> not ready for this. Okay, okay, but, fair enough. Uh, the, the John Bush, we met him there, and we had a skit night. And some of our goalkeepers, uh, you know, John is not a, a 6'4 goalkeeper, but some of our academy kids were even uh, yeah. in, a, in a fun professional way because John does make himself available to the, to the kids in academies and otherwise. He's a fantastic coach and a fantastic dude. And he'll hang around the kids and he'll talk with the kids. He won't shelter himself. And I uh, didn't that time when he was, you know, still as a pro and um, playing. And uh, our, our kids would, um, you know, put themselves on their knees and walk around like they made themselves, you know, nine inches shorter and uh, uh, great. Up yeah. everybody and saying they were John Bush and everything. And he took it like a pro and a champ. And um, I just, I, I enjoy my conversations with him. Uh, he's a consummate pro, 21 year pro. Uh, he's going to be a fantastic coach. Somebody in Major League Soccer is going to pick him up or yeah. championship side or somewhere because he's he's kick-ass at what he does. He's detail-oriented. I, Maybe a USSF goalkeeper director even. The so. uh, <laughs> him or him or Sarkey or both of them or, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, uh, great. I, I, you know, they, they would be – they would be fantastic. And then, you know, those two guys, guys like that could work together. Yeah. And they could also gather people around into them. Yeah. And that's the, the challenge that some others are not able to do.